Hey everybody and welcome into episode 78 of Jake's Take. I am Jake Heller, pleased to be joining you guys once again. Hope everybody is enjoying this beautiful day and weekend. So as usual, a lot to cover on today's show, but as you guys know, that is nothing new. Going to be recapping the weekend at Richmond Raceway, previewing the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series schedule, preview of tonight's race at Bristol Motor Speedway, and of course, week two in the NFL kicking off just the other night, the Washington football team, 30, New York Giants, 29. What a crazy, crazy game that was. Is there a bit of a quarterback controversy? Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's on short-term injured reserve because of the hip injury last Sunday against the Los Angeles Chargers. Taylor Heineke, once again, an incredible performance and an incredible comeback, too, in that fourth quarter. And the debate has already begun. Is Taylor Heineke worthy of being the starter the rest of the season? It's still way too early to tell, in my opinion. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard to judge one game. I know the New York Giants, they have gone off to a very, very sluggish start, I guess you could say, even though they put 29 points on the board the other night. But, I mean, for Taylor Heineke, 34 out of 46, 336 yards and two touchdowns, one to Terry McLaurin, much to my delight, since he's on my fantasy team, and the other to Ricky Seals-Jones. It's hard to judge things after just one game. And like I said, the New York Giants are not one of the best teams in the National Football League. Now, next weekend when they go up to Buffalo, obviously I think that is going to be a true test. I think it's going to be a true test a couple weeks down the road when they have to play the New Orleans Saints, when they have to play the Kansas City Chiefs. You can't be crowning Taylor Heineke as the starter just yet. But overall, an incredible win and an incredible comeback on Thursday night by that team led by Ron Rivera. And I think that's that shows how great of a team they, they could be, the potential that they have. Your starting quarterback goes down. He's on IR for at least eight weeks or so. And Taylor Heineke, I mean, the same kid that went toe-to-toe with Tom Brady, Bruce Arians, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and almost beat them in the wild card round when Alex Smith, sadly, would turn out to be the final game of his career when he couldn't go because of that calf injury. I think it was definitely an amazing game on Thursday night. You know, because everyone always talks about how <laughs> how these Thursday night games are usually a snooze fest. And, of course, so many question marks, obviously, when it comes to the New York Giants and especially when it comes to Daniel Jones. Is he truly their future? Is he truly one that you could depend on to be the starting quarterback moving forward? And only time will tell. So... Week two in the National Football League, and guess what, guys? Tomorrow, in the Steel City, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, as the Steelers host the Las Vegas Raiders, yours truly will be there to witness it. As you guys know, great friend of mine, Kyle Williams, he has been a diehard Raiders fan for such a long time. This is going to be Kyle's first NFL game in attendance. So I'm definitely looking forward to that, definitely looking forward to seeing like, his reaction to, to everything when you hear Thunderstruck right before kickoff when you hear Renegade late in the fourth quarter, when that defense needs a stop. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing his emotions and reaction, especially being a Raiders fan, because we know Steelers and Raiders. Those two do not like each other. <laughs> but me and Kyle, great friends, obviously, and definitely looking forward to it. So, earlier this week, the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series schedule came out, and the rumors were true. Sunday, February 6th, the Bush Clash, after being held at Daytona since 1979, after being held on the road course this year on a Tuesday night. 
so it wouldn't conflict with the Super Bowl. For the first time ever, the Bush Clash will not be held at Daytona. It will be held at the Los Angeles Coliseum. That's right, the L.A. Coliseum, where the USC Trojans play, where the Los Angeles Rams were these past several years as they were getting their new stadium built that they share with the Chargers, where the Olympics have been played twice before, and I believe a third time coming up, where the very first Super Bowl was played when the Green Bay Packers, led by Vince Lombardi, beat the Kansas City Chiefs 35-10. to This is going to be NASCAR's first race on not only a football field, they raced at Soldier Field in Chicago back in 1956, but this will also be their first time on a quarter mile since 1971 when they raced at the infamous and legendary Bowman Gray Stadium in North Carolina. When I look at this, Obviously, being a traditionalist, I hate that the Bush Clash will no longer be at Daytona, but I understand where NASCAR is coming from, and honestly, I think this is a brilliant move. When Los Angeles is the second biggest market behind New York City, as I talked about last week, and this is one week before the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56 will be held in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. And I think for NASCAR, I think that this is a brilliant move. Second biggest market the week before the Super Bowl, a way to attract new fans and a new demographic like I talked about last week. Then, of course, a quick turnaround, Speed Weeks, or I guess Speed Week, I guess you could say, 2022, Thursday night, we're going to have the qualifying races for the Daytona 500. Sunday, February 20th is the 64th running of the Daytona 500. Then on February 27th, we head back west to California Speedway, Auto Club, and Fontana, Last race there in the two-mile configuration before they converted into a short track next year. And the West Coast swing continues March 6th at Las Vegas, March 13th at Phoenix, and then we head back south March 20th at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas is back for a second year, but it will not be held in mid to late May like it was. It will be held now on March 27th. And, of course, I would imagine that the weather will not be a monsoon like it was back in May, and how much of a disaster of a race that was. Then, on Sunday, April 3rd, Richmond Raceway, first Saturday night race of the year, April 9th at Martinsville Speedway. Then, Sunday, April 17th, Easter, for the first time since 1989, the NASCAR Cup Series will be racing on Easter. Now, back then in 1989, NASCAR has always sort of I wouldn't say frowned upon racing on Easter, but obviously they've always been one that sort of observed the significance of that weekend, how holy and somber of a weekend that it usually is. So for the first time since 1989, they will be racing on Easter, and it will be at Bristol Motor Speedway. The dirt race is back for the second year in a row, but it will be held at night. Obviously, depending on your views and your values, obviously some people like it, some people are against it. So definitely a little surprising, I guess you could say, that they're going to be racing on Easter since this has always been an off weekend. But I totally understand the move of racing on Sunday night so everyone, I guess, could observe the holiday and observe Easter, kind of like the way the NFL does with Christmas, how they usually wait until 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon on Christmas Day to have a game. So that's where I see NASCAR coming from. April 24th, Talladega Super Speedway. May 1st, only race of the year at Dover International Speedway. Then on May 8th, Mother's Day, Darlington Raceway. Back again, having a spring race for the second year in a row. Scheduled spring race, I guess you could say. May 15th, Kansas Speedway. And then, 
May 22nd, for the second year in a row at Texas Motor Speedway, it is the All-Star Open and the All-Star Race. Sunday night, May 29th, will be the 62nd edition of the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And then Sunday, June 5th, we have a new track on the schedule, Worldwide Technology Raceway, or simply Gateway International Raceway near St. Louis. They finally get a cup race after many, many years of trying. The sad thing is, folks, this comes at the expense of Pocono Raceway. For the first time since 1981, they will only have one race on the schedule. Then, June 12th, Sonoma Raceway, and then we have an off weekend on Father's Day, the only off weekend of the season for that matter. Then on June 26th, NASCAR returns, and NASCAR and NBC returns after the Fox portion of the season at Nashville Super Speedway. Also another track coming back for the second year in a row, July 3rd, Road America, maybe a new 4th of July tradition replacing Daytona. July 10th, Atlanta Motor Speedway. July 17th, New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And then Sunday, July 24th, the only NASCAR Cup Series race that will be held next year at Pocono Raceway. I will give my thoughts on that in just a second. Then July 31st, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course for the second year in a row. Sunday, August 7th, Michigan International Speedway. August 14th, the fall race at Richmond for the past 30 years has always been held at night. Now, it's being moved to towards the end of the summer, and it will be a Sunday afternoon race for the first time since 1990. August 21st, Watkins Glen International, and then August 27th, Saturday night, the regular season finale for the third season in a row at Daytona International Speedway. Then the playoffs begin with a round of 16, Sunday night, September 4th, with the 73rd edition of the Southern 500 at Darlington Raceway, September 11th, Kansas Speedway, on a Sunday, especially opening day in the NFL, good luck with that NASCAR, and then the final race and the cutoff round for the round of 16, Saturday night, September 17th, the night race at Bristol. On to the round of 12, September 25th, Texas Motor Speedway, October 2nd, Talladega Super Speedway, and the cutoff race in the round of 12, October 9th, the Charlotte Roval. Talk about craziness with Talladega and the Roval. Then on to the round of eight, Sunday, October 16th, my birthday, NASCAR will be racing at Las Vegas Motor Speedway and back in the playoffs after a two-year hiatus, October 23rd, Homestead Miami Speedway. I know everybody wishes that it was still the championship finale like it was from 2002 to 2019, but nevertheless, back in the playoffs and especially the round of eight. Then the cutoff race, October 30th at Martinsville Speedway. And then Sunday, November 6th, the championship four, once again for the third season in a row at Phoenix Raceway. So my take on the schedule, no pun intended, definitely not surprised that it's going to be held at the LA Coliseum talking about the Bush Clash. I understand the move that NASCAR is trying to make, and I think that this is a brilliant move for them to make. Circuit of the Americas, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that the race was held in torrential conditions. It was a disaster of a race, but nevertheless, we will see this year if it's really a great racetrack or if it's just designated strictly for Formula One and Indy cars. Definitely a little surprise that, you know, we're going to be racing on Easter, nevertheless, Sunday night. Bristol Motor Speedway, but seriously, I'm still not a fan of the dirt race. I'm glad that it's going to be held at night. I think it will make for the drivers having better vision. 
But nevertheless, as we've seen last night with the Xfinity race, Thursday night with the truck race, Bristol Motor Speedway, it belongs to it, it's better on concrete. Even better on asphalt, if you ask me. I think Bristol would be amazing if it went back to asphalt. There's no need for NASCAR to be putting dirt down on Bristol Motor Speedway. Honestly, I really, more than anything, the dirt race back in March, I thought it was a complete farce. And to have it once again, definitely not a fan of it. June 5th, Gateway International Raceway. I'm excited for them to come onto the schedule. St. Louis is a big market, but it's... Anheuser-Busch country, but it's mainly a baseball town. That's the biggest thing when I think of. And I'm definitely disappointed that my home track, Pocono Raceway, that it's only going to have one race next year on June tw- or July 24th. Because it's the third largest city on a race day behind Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. You're less than two hours away from the biggest market in the country, talking about New York City. You're less than two hours away, I believe, from the fourth biggest market in the country, which is Philadelphia. I think it's definitely disappointing, especially with how successful the doubleheader weekend was back in June. The place was packed both Saturday and Sunday. Camping was sold out on Wednesday. I think that this was definitely a mistake, and I think that there are many racetracks on that schedule that don't deserve two cup races. I'm going to give you a hot take right here. You want to know a track that honestly right now doesn't deserve two cup races? Richmond. Let's face it. The Xfinity race was exciting, but the cup race was absolutely boring last Saturday night. That's not a track. You know, I know that all the fans say, oh, we want more short tracks. We want road courses, short tracks, road courses, short tracks, road courses. But to me, honestly, Richmond, unless you repave it, it has absolutely no business having two races on the schedule this year. Seriously. And, I mean, Atlanta Motor Speedway, I know that they're somewhat reconfiguring it, and I'm glad that it has two races again, but, I mean, let's face it, it definitely needed a repave. The racing has been absolutely boring. Texas Motor Speedway, having the All-Star race two years in a row, are you kidding me? We know how dull of a race. I mean, really, think of it. Having the All-Star race and having a race in the playoffs, for that matter. Yeah, Dallas-Fort Worth market, I get it and everything, but seriously, the racing at Texas Motor Speedway over the past several years has been absolutely dreadful. So I think that it's, it's a shame how Pocono Raceway, and it seems like all these northeastern racetracks, Dover, New Hampshire, which has great racing and passionate fans, it's a shame how a lot of these northeast racetracks have become sacrificial lambs so NASCAR could get bigger markets on the schedule, which I get. But seriously, Pocono deserved to keep a second cop race instead of losing one. So this past Saturday at Richmond Raceway, just a little before 8 o'clock at night, what an incredible pre-race ceremony we had as we honored and remembered those we lost on September 11, 2001. Just seeing the fire truck and the police cars during the pace laps and hearing those fans chant, USA, USA, was an incredible experience. Kyle Larson was scheduled to start on the pole, but after failing pre-race inspection, was sent to the back of the field. That moved Martin Trex Jr. up to the front row alongside his teammate Denny Hamlin. But Denny, for the second week in a row, spun his tires at the start. Martin Trex Jr. beat him to the line. And obviously, that's a no-no in NASCAR, as Denny was the control car for the start, with Truex scheduled to start third. So Truex had to serve a pass-through penalty, but he kept his cool, methodically worked his way back up through the field, but you figure that Denny was just going to run away with another race at his home track at Richmond. Competition caution came out on lap 32. Kurt Busch's number one Monster Energy team did a hell of a job getting him out in front of Denny Hamlin. Looked like he had a fast car, and then unfortunately 
Left rear tire goes down a few laps later, hits the wall and turn one driver's side, but thankfully Kurt was okay, but obviously put a huge dent in his playoff hopes moving forward to tonight. So from that point on, Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott, what an incredible battle those two had going back and forth but for the lead. Denny going on to win the first stage, but Chase Elliott keeping him honest. Until he overshot his pit stall, they had a problem with the air hose and the jack when the jack breaking, and Chase really, really had to drive hard to get his lap back and unlap himself from Denny Hamlin, who went on to win the second stage pretty convincingly. But as we said, you know, Truex, he worked his way back up through the field. He was able to pass Denny for the lead on lap 269. And I told you guys that it was going to be a Joe Gibbs kind of night. Kyle Busch, we know how dominant he is at Richmond, overcame a penalty early on to get himself into the lead on lap 306. But once again, it all came down to that sequence of pit stops at the end. And Kyle, once again, a penalty on pit road, this time with the crew. And that really, really hindered his chances. So the guy that impressed me the most on Saturday night, aside from obviously Joe Gibbs Racing, was Ross Chastain to drive up from 17th to take the lead. But obviously, you know, he just sort of wore his tires and his equipment out and had to settle for a seventh place finish. Martin Trex Jr., after the penalty for Kyle Busch, had an eight-second lead over his teammate Denny Hamlin. And Denny was doing a masterful job hunting him down, just sort of ran out of time at the end, and ended up losing the race to Martin Trex Jr. by 1.4 seconds. This was Martin's fourth win of 2021, but his first since Mother's Day at Darlington. So Martin Trex Jr., Goes on to win last Saturday at Richmond Raceway, the 31st win of his career, and the third at Richmond, ironically tying his mentor, Dale Earnhardt Jr., for three wins at Richmond Raceway. Himself, Denny Hamlin, and Kyle Larson, they have now clinched spots into the round of 12 with Denny winning at Darlington, and Kyle Larson, obviously, with the amount of points that he's accumulated. Martin Trex Jr. with the win, Denny Hamlin second, their teammate Christopher Bell in third. No doubt in my mind, if Kyle Busch didn't have that penalty, it would have been a 1 2 3 4 for Joe Gibbs Racing. Chase Elliott, after the problems on pit road, he rallied back to finish fourth. Joey Logano in fifth, and Kyle Larson in sixth. Seventh was the car that he used to drive, driven by Ross Chastain. Eighth was Kevin Harvick. Ninth was Kyle Busch. Ryan Blaney finally getting a top 10 finish at Richmond. Austin Dillon in 11th, the momentum continues. It's a shame that he wasn't a part of the playoffs. Alex Bowman in 12th, obviously the luck and the speed wasn't there at Richmond like it was in April. Brad Keselowski in 13th, another pathetic performance by Jeremy Bones on the two crew. Very slow race car, very slow pit stops, and just made the car worse and worse as the race went on. I mean, Brad drove all the way up to third. Pit stops were good early on, but like I said, it just uh, another... Very, very unacceptable performance by the two crew, as they only have eight races left now with Brad Keselowski. 14th is Eric Amarola. 15th, Tyler Reddick. 16th, Chase Briscoe. 17th was Daniel Suarez. 18th, Matt Benedetto. 19th, William Byron. Definitely has his work cut out for him tonight if he wants to make it to the next round. Ryan Newman in 20th, Eric Jones 21st, Cole Custer 22nd, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in 23rd, 24th was Chris Buescher, 25th Ryan Priest, 26th Anthony Alfredo, 27th was Justin Moneymaker Haley, and 28th Michael McDowell. Definitely must win territory for him tonight at Bristol if he wants to move on to the round of 12. Corey LaJoy in 29th, BJ McLeod in 30th, Garrett Smithley 31st, 
Bubba Wallace, 32nd, after running over a tire and then having a tire blowout himself. Crew chief change on the 23. We'll talk about that in a second. Joey Gase, 33rd. J.J. Yaley, 34th. Quinn Huff, 35th. Josh Balicki in 36th. And the only car out of the race was Kurt Busch after crashing on lap 40 when his tire went down. So tonight is the cutoff race for the round of 16, the Bass Pro Shops NRA night race at Bristol Motor Speedway. In the booth is Dale Earnhardt Jr., the first ever weekend sweep at Bristol Motor Speedway back in August of 2004, won the Bush Series race on Friday night, won the Cup Series race on Saturday night, which was the most dominant performance of Dale Jr.'s career. Led 295 out of 500 laps after having to start 30th on the field and recovering from the burns that he had suffered at Sonoma just one month prior. Joining him in the booth will be his former crew chief, Steve Letarte. Steve has four wins at Bristol Motor Speedway as a crew member with Jeff Gordon and Jeff Burton, who won there in March of 2008. What an incredible race that was, with Tony Stewart getting wrecked by Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin having fuel pressure issues during the green-white checkered, and Jeff was there to take advantage and score what would end up being the penultimate win of his career. And, of course, joining them in the booth once again, doing play-by-play duties, is Rick Allen. 7.30 on NBCSN, green flag, approximately 7.47. So let's take a look ahead to tonight and the points to see who's in, who's going to get knocked out, how close it is. So as I said, we have Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Trex Jr. They have already clinched spots into the round of 12. Fourth is Joey Logano with 2,093 points. Fifth is his teammate Ryan Blaney with 2,081. Sixth is Kevin Harvick with 2,078. Seventh is Chase Elliott with 2,072. Eighth is Christopher Bell, 2,070 points. Ninth is Brad Keselowski with 2,066. Tenth is Kyle Busch, 2,061. Eleventh is Eric Amarola with 2,056. And we have a tiebreaker for the 12th and final spot at the moment between Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman. Tiebreakers are settled based on the best finish in this round, so Kurt Busch has the tiebreaker over Alex Bowman. So if it were to end in a tie, Kurt would be in, Alex would be out, because Kurt finished 6th in the Southern 500 at Darlington, and Alex finished 12th at Richmond. 14th is Tyler Reddick with 2,048 points. 15th is William Byron with 2,035 And 16th, our Daytona 500 champion, Michael McDowell, with 2,015 points. So think about that. The five playoff points from winning the Daytona 500, one point at Darlington after getting crashed out early on, and just nine points at Richmond after that pit road penalty. So taking a look at the starting lineup for tonight's Bass Pro Shops NRA Night Race, 500 laps around Bristol Motor Speedway, stage one, lap 125, stage two, lap 250. On the pole is Martin Trex Jr. And here's the thing. Even though Martin scored his first NASCAR Bush Series win at Bristol Motor Speedway back in March of 2004 when he was driving for Dale Earnhardt Jr., his success in the Cup Series at Bristol Motor Speedway, it is lacking. And I mean lacking. Two top five finishes there, second in the night race in 2011 to Brad Keselowski, and then third in the spring of 2012 behind Brad Keselowski and Matt Kenseth. Other than that, plenty of times Martin has got caught up in wrecks at Bristol Motor Speedway. A lot of them, not of his own making. August of 2013, the night race there, got in a wreck so hard with Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, many others that actually broke his wrist. So Martin's luck at Bristol Motor Speedway in a cup car, it's far different compared to the Bush Series or even the Truck Series. Martin did get his first Truck Series win there back in March, even though it was on the dirt. 
Second is his teammate, Denny Hamlin. Denny, twice a winner of the night race of Bristol, 2012 and 2019. And then another two-time winner of the night race of Bristol, Joey Logano, 2014 and 2015. Fourth is Chase Elliott. Chase, so many, so close, so many times in a points race at Bristol Motor Speedway. His father, Bill, won there in the spring of 1988. Chase himself won the all-star race at Bristol Motor Speedway last year. Fifth is his teammate, Kyle Larson. Kyle, second many, many times in a cup car at Bristol Motor Speedway, but does have an Xfinity win there in August of 2018 with Chip Ganassi Racing. Christopher Bell. Christopher is another one that has an Xfinity win at Bristol Motor Speedway in April of 2019. Seventh is Ryan Blaney. Ryan, so close so many times at Bristol in the Cup Series. So many fast cars always seems to get swept up in something. Ryan, he did win an Xfinity race there in August of 2014, and then a truck race in 2015 for Brad Keselowski. Kevin Harvick, three wins at Bristol Motor Speedway. Subway's return to NASCAR. Pretty awesome-looking yellow and green car that he has for tonight. Three wins at Bristol Motor Speedway. April 2005, driving for Richard Childress, and twice a winner of the night race at Bristol Motor Speedway 2016, and this race last year, driving for Tony Stewart and Gene Haas. And then... The man when it comes to Bristol Motor Speedway, and you know who I'm talking about. It is none other than Kyle Busch. Kyle has eight, and I mean eight, cup wins at Bristol Motor Speedway. Don't even, don't even throw in the Xfinity and trucks, but eight wins at Bristol Motor Speedway. March of 2007, his last win with Hendrick Motorsports. Sweeping Bristol in 2009, the night race in 2010, the spring race in 2011, and then the night race in 2017, the spring race in 2018, and 2019, holding off big brother Kurt. Tenth is Brad Keselowski, three cup wins at Bristol Motor Speedway, the night race in 2011, the spring race in 2012 on his way to his NASCAR Sprint Cup Series championship later that year. And then May of 2020, when Joey Logano and Chase Elliott got together with two laps to go, Brad Keselowski was there to take advantage and score the victory. So three wins at Bristol Motor Speedway for Brad, but I don't know how I feel about tonight just given his lame duck status and how slow they have been lately. 11th is Alex Bowman. Alex, the first top five finish of his career, came at Bristol Motor Speedway in April of 2018. Granted, there was a little bit of luck that went into it, but Alex himself has said that Bristol reminds him a lot of Salem and Winchester Speedway, high-banked short tracks that he had raced on in Arca, and he feels like that's why he enjoys Bristol so much. 12th is Eric Amarola. 13th is Tyler Reddick. Tyler has an Xfinity win there in August of 2019. 14th is William Byron. And this is definitely looking like must-win territory for William Byron. 15th is another guy that has had so much success at Bristol Motor Speedway, and that's Kyle's big brother, Kurt. Six wins at Bristol Motor Speedway, including the first of his career. That epic battle back in March of 2002 with Jimmy Spencer, that really sort of brewed a rivalry right then and there. New school versus old school, and we know how that turned out. Kurt also swept there in 2003. March of 2004, his championship season with Jack Rash and Jimmy Fenning. And then March of 2006, his first win, driving the two-car for Team Penske, taking it over after Rusty Wallace retired. And then August of 2018, his last win with Stuart Haas Racing. And then at 16th, like I said, must-win territory for the Daytona 500 champion, Michael McDowell. Then, looking at the non-playoff drivers, 17th, Ross Chastain, been on an incredible run lately. 18th is Austin Dillon. Austin has a top-five finish at Bristol in August of 2016, and that same weekend, he won the Xfinity race there. 
19th is Matt Benedetto And Jason Boone, he's saying it right then and there. Watch out for Matt Benedetto tonight. Finished sixth there in 2016 in a Burger King car, one of the slowest cars in the field. And we remember back in 2019 in this race how close he was to getting that first win, only to get passed by Denny Hamlin with just a couple laps to go. And definitely, like I said, someone that is racing for his career at this point. There was a false rumor that came out last Saturday that he was going to be taking over Justin Haley's number 11 Xfinity car over Colleague Racing in 2022. But on Sunday night, Matt Benedetto put out a tweet saying that that was false. 20th is Chase Briscoe. Chase won the Xfinity race at Bristol in September of last year. 21st is Daniel Suarez. 22nd, Eric Jones. And Eric has an Xfinity win at Bristol Motor Speedway, too, for that matter. The spring of 2016 and 2017. 23rd is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Ricky, many, many top five finishes at Bristol Motor Speedway. Second to Kevin Harvick. In August of 2016, 24th is Ryan Newman is tonight his last race at Bristol Motor Speedway. That remains to be seen. Does have a Bush Series win there in 2005 and finished second to Dale Earnhardt Jr. in 2004. 25th is his teammate Chris Busher. Chris is very, very underrated at Bristol Motor Speedway. Got a top five there in 2016 driving the 34 car. 26th is Cole Custer. 27th is Ryan Priest who has an Xfinity win there April 2018. 28th, Bubba Wallace. 29th is Justin Moneymaker Haley. 30th, Anthony Alfredo. 31st, Corey LaJoy. 32nd is BJ McLeod. Then, Josh Balicki, Quinn Huff, JJ Yaley, Garrett Smithley, James Davison, and rounding out the field is David Starr in 38th. So I told you guys, a couple of non-playoff drivers to watch out for. Ross Chastain, Austin Dillon, Matt Benedetto, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., maybe even Cole Custer. But I think when it's all said and done, honestly, I've had a very, very hard time picking this race. I feel like even though Truex is going to lead some laps early on, obviously I think that that Bristol luck is going to catch up to him sooner or later. Boone even said himself, that's Jason Boone's pick for tonight is Martin Truex Jr. But he said the way that his picking is gone this week, Austin Hill getting wrecked on Thursday night in the truck race and being eliminated from the playoffs, and then Noah Gregson not being able to three-peat last night at Bristol Motor Speedway, he feels like that luck is going to continue. And he said that Martin Truex Jr., is going to dominate the race and then get busted for speeding on pit road. I look for his teammate Denny Hamlin to be a threat, along with Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson. I definitely look at Kyle Busch. And, I mean, Kyle has no margin for error. I mean, he is, let's take a look here, 2,061 points. And he is only eight points behind Big Brother Kurt and Alex Bowman. He is that close to getting knocked out. And then, of course, you look at Brad Keselowski. That's another one. Only 13 points ahead of Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman. And the way that his season has gone and the way that that two crew has sort of given up on him, I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb here. The drivers that are going to get eliminated tonight and not make it to the round of 12, obviously Michael McDowell. William Byron, even though he's had a remarkable regular season, unfortunately, I think it comes to an end tonight. Tyler Reddick, 2,048 points, the last driver to get in. I mean, it was a great story beating his teammate Austin Dillon for the final playoff spot. But ultimately, like I said, just how slow and really sort of effortless, I guess you could say, the two crew has been ever since it was made official that Brad Keselowski is going to be leaving even before that. My bold prediction, the four drivers that get eliminated tonight and don't move on to the round of 12, Michael McDowell, William Byron, Tyler Reddick, and Brad Keselowski. I just said it right then and there. I just don't have a good feeling about tonight. 
I have a feeling that something is going to happen, whether it's mechanically, I would imagine, pit stops, you name it, probably a loose wheel. Brad had power steering issues in this race last year. I just don't see him moving on to the round of 12. I just think that it's going to be another disastrous night for the two crew, and he will not advance to the round of 12. Ultimately, I think Alex Bowman, along with the two Bush brothers and Eric Amarola, I think that they'll get in. Christopher Bell, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano. That's the thing. I mean, anything could happen at Bristol. We've seen it so many times. And even though it's not the one groove racetrack that it was back in the early 2000s when you would knock the crap out of somebody to get by. And yeah, I mean, we've had wreck after wreck after wreck, whether it was Thursday night in the truck race, last night in the Xfinity race, A.J. Allmendinger and Austin Sender crashing at the start-finish line and AJ beating Austin for the regular season championship in Xfinity. You know, Boone said it. He, I have a feeling that chaos is going to ensue tonight. And as the race goes on, you're going to see guys like Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell with their dirt background. I see them working in that top groove and making it more raceable as the night goes on. And I just hope that it's not going to be a snooze fest like the night race at Bristol was last year once you got that groove worked in. And, I mean, really – it was like the last 200 laps of that race. It was just a long green flag run to the end. Like you go back last year, what an incredible battle that Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch had for the win. Of course, it was sort of aided with Joey Logano holding up Kyle Busch to no surprise whatsoever. But think about it. The average green flag run in the night race of Bristol last year was 75 laps. We had green flag runs of 86 laps, 97 laps, and then 147 from lap 261 to lap 407 when Austin Dillon caused a wreck down in turn one. That's really the only thing that I'm wondering. I mean, the racing has been incredible this weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway, and I just hope that it's not going to be a dud. So ultimately, like I said, Truex, I think it's going to be crucial that he's locked into the round of 12 because we know how his luck is at Bristol. (sighs) Denny Hamlin, Denny... I mean, it definitely shocks you that he only has one win on the year with how dominant, and I mean, really, all the laps that they have led that 11 team. And I think tonight's going to be another scenario where I think Denny is going to lead a ton of laps but doesn't come away with a win. Ultimately, tonight, I have a feeling this race is going to come down to Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott. Experience versus youth. And I'm wanting to lean towards Kyle Busch, but the mistakes that they have had on pit road this year... I think that ultimately, I think that's going to rear its ugly head. But I still have this feeling that he is going to make it onto the round of 12. So my pick to go to victory lane tonight at Bristol Motor Speedway, the night race at Bristol Motor Speedway for that matter, Nick Bonk, you're going to love me for saying this, but I'm going to go with Chase Elliott to win tonight at Bristol Motor Speedway. Like I said, Chase, he won the all-star race there last year over Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick and Brad Keselowski. What an incredible battle that was towards the end of the race and like I said Chase has been so close so many times he finished fourth his first ever points race in a cup car at Bristol Motor Speedway back in 2016 he finished third in the night race in 2018 fifth in the night race in 2019 and I mean 310 laps led you know 112 in 2018 88 laps led in the spring race in 2020 before himself and Joey Logano got together and Brad Keselowski was there to take advantage and score the win. I think tonight, I think it will be a chaotic race. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some payback along the way as well. But ultimately, I'm going to go with Chase Elliott 
for the win tonight at Bristol Motor Speedway. And like I said, himself, Martin Trex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson, Joey Logano, Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Alex Bowman, Eric Almarola, Kurt Busch. Those are the guys I have moving on to the round of 12. And unfortunately, the guys I have getting eliminated tonight and out of the round of 16, Michael McDowell, William Byron, Tyler Reddick, and Brad Keselowski. Yeah. I think that the one thing I'm going to look for tonight is seeing how that outside line sort of gets worked in. You know, like I said, Bristol used to be a one-groove racetrack, but now it has been become a multi-groove racetrack, kind of the way it was before it went from asphalt to concrete in 1992. So, yeah, Chase Elliott, my pick to go to victory lane tonight at Bristol Motor Speedway. And, wow, what a, a finish to the regular season in the, in the Xfinity Series. And their playoffs will kick off next Saturday evening at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So real quick before we give our my NFL picks for tomorrow, here are a look at the points in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. The regular season champion is A.J. Allmendinger. Four wins on the year, including last night. Oh, my God, was that incredible. So A.J. Allmendinger and Austin Sendrick, they start off tied with the points lead in 2044 points. Then, third and fourth, two junior motorsports drivers, Justin Allgaier, 2020 points, Noah Gregson, 2017. Fifth is Justin Moneymaker Haley, 2015 points, Daniel Hemrick, 2014. And then the two cousins, Jeb and Harrison Burton. Jeb has 2009, Harrison has 2008. Ninth is Myatt Snyder with 2005 points, Brandon Jones in 10th with 2003 Riley Herbst on 11th with 2001, and Jeremy Clemens, how about that, the little team that could, uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina, him and his dad Tony running that team, you know, I mean, really just a couple guys in the shop, not linked to any cup teams, whether as far as cars, chassis, or engines, the 12th and final seed with 2,000 points, so ultimately, I'm going to consider the top four drivers, A.J. Allmendinger, Austin Sendrick, Justin Allgaier, Noah Gregson. They will definitely be in my championship for November 6th at Phoenix Raceway. And as far as the champion itself, while I would love to see Justin Allgaier finally get an Xfinity championship, and I think he's going to have a great shot at it. He is phenomenal at Phoenix. I think ultimately, whether it's him or Noah Gregson bringing home another championship for Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kelly Earnhardt Miller, I'm going to have to go with the 22 of Austin Sindrick. I know that A.J. Allmendinger, I know that he's having such an amazing season, really a storybook season. But the 22 team, Austin Sindrick, Brian Wilson, Team Penske, it seems like they've definitely gotten Phoenix figured out lately. I mean, two back-to-back wins there, the championship last year, and then back in March leading 119 laps. So I'm going to say that Austin Sendrick is my pick to go back-to-back in the championship this year for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And then also... The Camping World Truck Series, we had two drivers eliminated on Thursday night at Bristol Motor Speedway, and there were two of my Final Four picks, Austin Hill and Todd Gillen. They had been eliminated after Austin wrecked on Thursday night. And then, of course, <clears throat> and then of course, Todd Gillen, he was doing such a remarkable job, but just unfortunate. So the eight drivers that are left... John Hunter Nemechek, 3,050 points. Sheldon Creed, 3,026. Moving on to the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Next year with Richard Childress Racing. Third is Ben Rhodes with 3,019 points. Then the two Smiths, Zane and Chandler. 3,009 for Zane. 
3006 for Chandler, the first Truck Series win of his career, Thursday night at Bristol Motor Speedway. Matt Crafton, the sixth with 3004. Rookie Carson Hosevar, one incredible job, 3002 points. And Stuart Friesen with 3001. So the most obvious ones, John Hunter Nemechek, Sheldon Creed, Ben Rhodes. I'm going to say that they get to the Final Four. I know Zane Smith, he finished second in the Truck Series Championship last year, but seems to have a bit of a sophomore slump this year. You know, Matt Crafton, I just don't see the speed. Carson Hosevar, that has been such an incredible story as a rookie. Stuart Friesen, a remarkable turnaround from last year when they made the switch from Chevrolet to Toyota. I've always believed in Chandler Smith, and I'm going to say that John Hunter Nemechek, Sheldon Creed, Ben Rhodes, and Chandler Smith, that's going to be my final four. And ultimately, I'm going to go with John Hunter Nemechek, the dominant season that he has had, winning the Truck Series Championship over Sheldon Creed before he moves up to the NASCAR Xfinity Series in 2022. So taking a look at tomorrow's games, 1 o'clock, the 0-1 New England Patriots at the 0-1 New York Jets. Two first-round quarterbacks, Mac Jones of the Patriots, Zach Wilson of the New York Jets. Ultimately, I'm going to take Mac Jones and the Patriots. I mean, they came so, so close to beating the Miami Dolphins, 17-16. The New York Jets falling to their old quarterback, Sam Darnold, and the Carolina Panthers, 19-14. Obviously, I feel like New England is just more structured. I feel like it's still a work in progress for the New York Jets, so I definitely have to go with the Patriots. The 1-0 Denver Broncos at the 0-1 Jacksonville Jaguars, and wouldn't you know it, there's already talk about Urban Meyer resigning. You know, that the job is overwhelming for him, that he's thinking about resigning. I think it really just shows how much of a coward Urban Meyer really is when he quit on the Florida Gators, when he, you know, because of the health issues. Then he quits on the Ohio State Buckeyes and retires and says that he's never going to coach again. But he comes out of retirement and coaches for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And after one game where you get your ass kicked, and you're welcome to the NFL, buddy, 37 to 21 to the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans, who are supposed to be the worst team in the National Football League this year. Yeah, I think I don't even give it two months before Urban Meyer resigns from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Denver Broncos and Teddy Bridgewater, impressive win on the road on the East Coast, 20-7 to over the New York Giants. I'm definitely taking the Broncos. The 0-1 Buffalo Bills at the 1-0 Miami Dolphins, whoever saw that coming. Impressive comeback by the Pittsburgh Steelers this past Sunday up in Buffalo. And the Miami Dolphins, a huge win up in Foxborough, 17-16, a place that they have struggled with so much over the past two decades. I think Josh Allen, I think he gets back on track, but we've got to realize that the Buffalo Bills are so one-dimensional. They cannot get a running game going to save their lives. I mean, really, the only time that they, anyone takes off for a run is Josh Allen himself. And, of course, you know, Tua Tungavailoa, I feel like there's still still some question marks there. I mean, Mike Kosicki not having a single catch this past Sunday against the Patriots. I'm definitely going with the Buffalo Bills. 1-0 versus 1-0, the San Francisco 49ers at the Philadelphia Eagles. 41 points scored by San Francisco. Granted, it was against Detroit, but what a a performance by Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. 32-6 over the Atlanta Falcons. So you wonder... Are the Eagles that good, or are the Falcons just that bad? And honestly, I mean, credit to the credit to the Eagles and to their fan base. I know they're not going to like this, but, I mean, they definitely did a masterful job, but I'm, really I think Atlanta is just that bad. And granted, the San Francisco 49ers, I mean, they're going up against Detroit, undoubtedly the worst team in the NFC. But I felt like Jimmy Garoppolo, I felt like he definitely – 
did a good job having 300-some yards on the day. I know the two-quarterback system with Trey Lance and whatnot. So I'm going to take the 49ers. Los Angeles Rams at the Indianapolis Colts. Matt Stafford, I apologize. I know that I have been very critical of you for the past decade or so, but a masterful job in his NFL, NFL debut with the team. 34-14 over the Chicago Bears. I feel like there's a lot of question marks still with the Colts, so I'm taking the Rams. Then, the Las Vegas Raiders. Kyle Williams is Las Vegas Raiders at my Pittsburgh Steelers. Impro- impressive impressive win by the Raiders Monday night 33 to 27 over the Ravens in overtime but it's all about the injury bug Josh Jacobs is out Richie Incognito is out Marcus Mariota their backup quarterback is out and the Steelers they're relatively clean aside from Devin Bush and Joe Hayden who are questionable for tomorrow got to do a better job getting the running game going but I feel like the Steelers definitely have a better defense compared to the Raiders you know, I feel like both offensive lines are sort of in question. I, the game, Kyle Williams said it himself yesterday, this game, it all falls on Derek Carr's shoulders. As long as they have Derek Carr in the lineup, they have a chance to win. And ultimately, for the longest time, I was leaning towards the Raiders, but just given the amount of injuries that they have, I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals over the Chicago Bears. I do not understand for the life of me why they still have Andy Dalton starting after how horrible he was on Sunday night and just having Justin Fields in for a couple plays here and there. Impressive how the Texans put up 37 points, but it was against the Jags. I don't feel like they're going to put up that many against the Cleveland Browns, and unfortunately I don't see them winning against the Cleveland Browns either. New Orleans Saints, 38-3 over Aaron Rodgers. What an amazing, and I mean amazing job undoubtedly the worst loss of Aaron Rodgers' career. I feel like the momentum continues for James Winston, Sean Payton and crew. I'm taking them over the Carolina Panthers. Then for the 4 o'clock games, Minnesota Vikings out the Arizona Cardinals. Unfortunately for Johnny Glow, I got to go with his with the Arizona Cardinals. His old quarterback, Kyler Murray, but obviously I'm still in complete shock that they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. Then at 4.05, the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers hosting the Atlanta Falcons. I feel like it's going to be another long day for Matt Ryan and crew. I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tennessee Titans, woo, over the Seattle Seahawks. At the Seattle Seahawks, ultimately, I have to go with Seattle. I was completely shocked with how bad the Titans looked against the Cardinals. I thought for sure that they were going to win that game. Dallas Cowboys at the Los Angeles Chargers. Ultimately, I thought that Dak Prescott did a masterful job, but it just there's too many, and I mean too many, injuries for the Cowboys. So I got to roll with the Chargers. Then Sunday night, 8:20 on NBC, the Kansas City Chiefs at the Baltimore Ravens. Unfortunately, I don't feel like for Lamar Jackson, I don't feel like he's going to beat Patrick Mahomes once again. I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs. And then Monday night, 8.15 on ESPN, the Green Bay Packers hosting the Detroit Lions. I think that Aaron Rodgers bounces back in a very, very big way. I'm taking them over the Lions. That will do it for episode 77 of Jake's Take. I appreciate you, episode 78 for that matter. <laughs> I appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the race. Y'all take it easy.